Chapter seventy eight of the D'Artagnan Romances, Volume Two, Twenty Years After, by Alexandre Dumas, translated by William Robson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Battle of Charenton. As Athos and Aramis proceeded and passed different companies on the road, they became aware that they were arriving near the field of battle. Ah, my friend! cried Athos suddenly. Where have you brought us? I fancy I perceive around us faces of different officers in the royal army. Is not that the Duc de Chatillon himself coming toward us with his brigadiers? Good day, sir, said the Duke, advancing. You are puzzled by what you see here, but one word will explain everything. There is now a truce and a conference. The Prince, Monsieur de Retz, the Duc de Beaufort, the Duc de Bouillon are taking over public affairs. Now one of two things must happen. Either matters will not be arranged, or they will be arranged, in which last case I shall be relieved of my command, and we shall still meet again. Sir, said Aramis, you speak to the point. Allow me to ask you a question. Where are the plenipotentiaries? At Charenton, in the second house on the right, on entering from the direction of Paris. And was this conference arranged beforehand? No, gentlemen, it seems to be the result of certain propositions which Mazarin made last night to the Parisians. Athos and Aramis exchanged smiles, for they well knew what those propositions were, to whom they had been made, and who had made them. And that house in which the plenipotentiaries are, asked Athos, belongs to... To Monsieur de Chanleu, who commands your troops at Charenton. I say your troops, for I presume that you gentlemen are frondeurs. Yes, almost, said Aramis. We are for the king and the princes, added Athos. We must understand each other, said the duke. The king is with us, and his generals are the Duke of Orleans and the Prince de Conde, although I must add, tis almost impossible now to know to which party any one belongs. Yes, answered Athos. But his right place is in our ranks, with the Prince de Conti, de Beaufort, d'Elbeuf, and du Billon. But, sir, supposing that the conference is broken off, are you going to try to take Charenton? Such are my orders. Sir, since you command the cavalry— Pardon me, I am commander-in-chief. So much the better. You must know all your officers. I mean, those more distinguished— why yes very nearly will you kindly tell me then if you have in your command the chevalier d'artagnan lieutenant in the musketeers no sir he is not with us he left paris more than six weeks ago and is believed to have gone on a mission to england i knew that but i supposed he had returned no sir no one has seen him I can answer positively on that point, for the musketeers belong to our forces, and Monsieur de Cambon, the substitute for Monsieur d'Artagnan, still holds his place. The two friends looked at each other. You see, said Athos. It is strange, said Aramis. It is absolutely certain that some misfortune has happened to them on the way. If we have no news of them this evening, tomorrow we must start. Athos nodded affirmatively, then turning. And Monsieur de Braglon, a young man fifteen years of age, attached to the Prince de Conde, has he the honor of being known to you? 
diffident in allowing the sarcastic Aramis to perceive how strong were his paternal feelings. "'Yes, surely. He came with the prince, a charming young man. He is one of your friends, then, Monsieur le Comte?' "'Yes, sir,' answered Athos, agitated. "'So much so that I wish to see him, if possible.' "'Quite possible, sir. Do me the favor to accompany me, and I will conduct you to headquarters.' "'Hello there!' cried Aramis, turning around. "'What a noise behind us!' "'A body of cavaliers is coming toward us,' said Chatillon. "'I recognize the coadjutor by his frondist hat.' "'And I, the Duc de Beaufort, by his white plume of ostrich feathers.' "'They are coming full gallop. The prince is with them. Ah, he is leaving them.' "'They are beating the rappel!' cried chatillon we must discover what is going on in fact they saw the soldiers running to their arms the trumpets sounded the drums beat the duc de beaufort drew his sword on his side the prince sounded a rappel and all the officers of the royalist army mingling momentarily with the parisians troops ran to meet him gentlemen cried chatillon the truce is broken that is evident they are going to fight go then into charenton for i shall begin in a short time there's a signal from the prince the cornet of a troop had in fact just raised the standard of the prince farewell to the next time we meet cried chatillon and he set off full gallop athos and aramis turned also and went to salute the coadjutor and the duc de beaufort as to the duc de bouillon he had such a fit of gout as obliged him to return to paris in a litter but his place was well filled by the Duc d'Elbeuf, and his four sons ranged around him like a staff. Meantime, between Charenton and the royal army was left a space which looked ready to serve as a last resting place for the dead. "'Gentlemen,' cried the coadjutor, tightening his sash, which he wore after the fashion of the ancient military prelates, over his archiepiscopal simar, "'There's the enemy approaching. Let us save them half of their journey.' and without caring whether he were followed or not he set off his regiment which bore the name of the regiment of corinth from the name of his archbishopric darted after him and began the fight monsieur de beaufort sent his cavalry toward etampes and monsieur de chanleu who defended the place was ready to resist an assault or if the enemy were repulsed to attempt a sortie the battle soon became general and the coadjutor performed miracles of valor his proper vocation had always been the sword, and he was delighted whenever he could draw it from the scabbard, no matter for whom or against whom. Chanlu, whose fire at one time repulsed the royal regiment, thought that the moment was come to pursue it, but it was reformed and led again to the charge by the Duc de Chatillon in person. This charge was so fierce, so skillfully conducted, that Chanlu was almost surrounded. He commanded a retreat which began, step by step, foot by foot, unhappily in an instant he fell mortally wounded de chatillon saw him fall and announced it in a loud voice to his men which raised their spirits and completely disheartened their enemies so that every man thought only of his own safety and tried to gain the trenches where the coadjutor was trying to reform his disorganized regiment suddenly a squadron of cavalry galloped up to encounter the royal troops who were entering pele melee the entrenchments with the fugitives Athos and Aramis charged at the head of their squadrons, Aramis with sword and pistol in his hands, Athos with his sword in his scabbard, his pistol in his saddlebags, calm and cool as if on the parade, 
except that his noble and beautiful countenance became sad as he saw slaughtered so many men who were sacrificed on the one side to the obstinacy of royalty and on the other to the personal rancor of the princes aramis on the contrary struck right and left and was almost delirious with excitement his bright eyes kindled and his mouth so finely formed assumed a wicked smile every blow he aimed was sure and his pistol finished the deed annihilated the wounded wretch who tried to rise again on the opposite side two cavaliers one covered with a gilt cuirass the other wearing simply a buff doublet from which fell the sleeves of a vest of blue velvet charged in front the cavalier in the gilt cuirass fell upon aramis and struck a blow that aramis parried with his wonted skill ah tis you monsieur de chatillon cried the chevalier welcome to you i expected you i hope i have not made you wait too long sir said the duke at all events here i am monsieur de chatillon cried aramis taking from his saddle-bags a second pistol i think if your pistols have been discharged you are a dead man thank god sir they are not and the duke pointing his pistol at aramis fired but aramis bent his head the instant he saw the duke's finger press the trigger and the ball passed without touching him ah you've missed me cried aramis but i swear to heaven i will not miss you if i give you time cried the duke spurring on his horse and rushing upon him with his drawn sword aramis awaited him with that terrible smile which was peculiar to him on such occasions and athos who saw the duke advancing toward aramis with the rapidity of lightning was just going to cry out fire fire then when the shot was fired de chatillon opened his arms and fell back on the crupper of his horse the ball had entered his breast through a notch in the cuirass i am a dead man he said and fell from his horse to the ground i told you this i am now grieved i have kept my word can i be of any use to you chatillon made a sign with his hand and aramis was about to dismount when he received a violent shock twas a thrust from a sword but his cuirass turned aside the blow he turned around and seized his new antagonist by the wrist when he started back exclaiming raoul raoul cried athos the young man recognized at the same instant the voices of his father and the chevalier d'herblay two officers in the parisian forces rushed at that instant on raoul but aramis protected him with his sword my prisoner he cried athos took his son's horse by the bridle and led him forth out of the melee at this crisis of the battle the prince who had been seconding to chatillon in the second line appeared in the midst of the fight his eagle eye made him known and his blows proclaimed the hero on seeing him the regiment of corinth which the coadjutor had not been able to reorganize in spite of all his efforts threw itself into the midst of the parisian forces put them into confusion and re-entered charenton flying the coadjutor dragged along with his fugitive forces passed near the group formed by athos raoul and aramis aramis could not in his jealousy avoid being pleased at the coadjutor's misfortune and was about to utter some bon mot more witty than correct when athos stopped him on on he cried this is no moment for compliments or rather back for the battle seems to be lost by the frondeurs it is a matter of indifference to me said aramis i came here only to meet de chatillon i have met with him i am contented tis something to have met de chatillon in a duel and besides we have a prisoner said athos pointing to raoul 
the three cavaliers continued their road on full gallop what were you doing in the battle my friend inquired athos of the youth twas not your right place i think as you were not equipped for an engagement i had no intention of fighting today sir i was charged indeed with a mission to the cardinal and had set out for roy when seeing monsieur de chatillon charge an invincible desire possessed me to charge at his side it was then that he told me two cavaliers of the parisian army were seeking me and named the comte de la fere what you knew we were there and yet wished to kill your friend the chevalier i did not recognize the chevalier in armor sir said raoul blushing though i might have known him by his skill and coolness in danger thank you for the compliment my young friend replied aramis we can see from whom you learned courtesy then you were going to roy yes i have a dispatch from the prince to his eminence you must still deliver it said athos no false generosity count the fate of our friends to say nothing of our own is perhaps in that very dispatch this young man must not however fail in his duty said athos in the first place count this youth is our prisoner you seem to forget that what i propose to do is fair in war the vanquished must not be dainty in the choice of means give me the dispatch raoul the young man hesitated and looked at athos as if seeking to read in his eyes a rule of conduct give him the dispatch raoul you are the chevalier's prisoner raoul gave it up reluctantly aramis instantly seized and read it you he said you who are so trusting read and reflect that there is something in this letter important for us to see athos took the letter frowning but an idea that he should find something in this letter about d'artagnan conquered his unwillingness to read it my lord i shall send this evening to your eminence in order to reinforce the troop of monsieur de comminges the ten men you demand they are good soldiers fit to confront the two violent adversaries who address and resolution your eminence is fearful of oh cried athos well said aramis what think you about these two enemies whom it requires besides comminges troops ten good soldiers to confront are they not as alike as two drops of water to d'artagnan and porthos we'll search paris all day long said athos and if we have no news this evening we will return to the road to picardy i feel no doubt that thanks to d'artagnan's ready invention we shall then find some clue which will solve our doubts yes let us search paris and especially inquire of planchet if he has yet heard from his former master that poor planchet you speak of him very much at your ease aramis he has probably been killed all those fighting citizens went out to battle and they have been massacred it was then with a sentiment of uneasiness whether planchet who alone could give them information was alive or dead that the friends returned to the place royale to their great surprise they found the citizens still encamped there drinking and bantering each other although doubtless mourned by their families who thought they were at charenton in the thickest of the fighting athos and aramis again questioned planchet but he had seen nothing of d'artagnan they wished to take planchet with them but he could not leave his troop who at five o'clock returned home saying that they were returning from the battle 
whereas they had never lost sight of the bronze equestrian statue of Louis the Thirteenth. End of chapter seventy-eight. Recording by John Van Stan, Savannah, Georgia.